What's going on, everyone? It's been a while. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in today. Adam! So good to see you, Paul. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, and we're, we're missing our compadre, not Chad, because he became Daddy Chad. Yes, Uncle Chad is not in the studio. He, uh, Him and his wife, Abigail, had their first baby. Big news. Big, big news. Big news. I mean, almost as big as some other news we'll get to today, but... Yeah, congratulations to Uncle Chad. I'm sure he's struggling with the lack of sleep, being a first-time daddy-o. Yep. And, yeah, keep him in your prayers so it's just you and I. But, you know, we we obviously hit the holidays, and then we mm-hmm. crossed the new year, and then one of us in the room, not being me, got uh, a virus, and then um, that shut us down. And then I had a retreat that I led for a faculty at a school, so then – we didn't record, so we're just getting back to the show, and I promise we'll probably get on rhythm, you know, again. It's that time. You know, everything's crazy. It can be thrown for a loop, so appreciate you if you've been listening to the same episode for the past <laughs> few weeks. Thanks for not giving up. Yeah, we us. haven't quit. <laughs> we haven't quit. We just, we have lives too, you know. Yeah, so I had a I had a baby. That's right. You had a baby and a virus. Then we had the covid and then Chad had a baby, and you had a funeral and a, a factory retreat. And so, I mean, it's it's been something. Yeah, so so let's just explain that because, you know, as we do live real life with the rest of the world and the people who are listening, and this is going to get to a lot of the topic today as well, is, you know, put this in perspective. Like, okay, Christmas hit, the holidays, and that's just like, you know, crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. Uh, then, I don't know if you knew about, there was an election, which was chaos, and then transition of power. Transition of power. Okay, so you and Chad both had kids. Yeah, children, little babies. Gen you know, born time, yeah. on this planet, right? <laughs> now you're more used to it because this is number eight, and for Chad's number one, you know, he'll be out for a while because he's oh, just yeah. not going to get his feet out. Well, her. it's kind of like na- being a Navy SEAL. I have never been a Navy SEAL, just to clarify. But I hear that your life as a Navy SEAL is so grueling from lack of sleep to whatever that part of the training is to just get used to that. So for example, the lack of sleep, like you just get, you learn to operate on very little sleep. Being a first time parent, especially uh, a parent like Chad and Abigail, who are going to be very invested in their child, you know, and, and do all the right things and be very probably overly. Yeah. Just as um, I was with my first. Just like we all are. Right. You, you just learn to live with no sleep. Mm-hmm. But it takes a while to get to that point. And you're not a Navy SEAL, right? So you're not. Which, by the way, I do have a friend that is a Navy SEAL. What? Yes. And he's very Catholic. I'm going to I'm gonna see if I can get him on the show. That way we can answer all your questions about life, Adam. I'd love How to. How do you operate I'd with no sleep? I'd love to talk to a Navy SEAL. Do you SEAL really person? not sleep? Like, we can ask him those types <laughs> of questions. That would be fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we, we can really get to it. So then... Not only did you have a baby, um, you guys got, you know, Corona in your house, which we had earlier in the year. So I'm not taking myself out of this equation. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm immune. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but to go through your house, 10 people, right. Eight kids, two adults, you know, y'all had to like hunker down for a while before y'all were all in the clear. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you were MIA for a while. Mm -hmm. You sent us a picture on a text. It was hysterical. It was probably one of the funniest text, you know, sort of group text, you know, <laughs> str- you know what what am I trying to say? Like um, conversation, conversation. Yeah, that's a good one. 
And you just took a picture of your face with the virus, and it, that's all I needed to know. Yeah, right. The face of COVID. Not to downplay like people who really, but you guys had it, and you had to shut it down, and so we we could we couldn't record, and then we came back, and then I had a funeral of a close close friend and relative, uh, which was difficult. I had to take a break, and then I had a faculty retreat I was leading, and so here we are. Like we got through it all, and we finally are back in action. Yep. Well, and I think as our nation is coming to understand or will come to understand, a lot of times the Lord just shuts things down to rebuild something greater. You know, things get into chaos, things get in out of control. Because every once in a while we need to be reminded that we're not in control, that God is in control. And then when we get that lesson and learn that humility and turn back to God, then he builds something great out of it, you know, out of that humility. And uh, for those of us willing to learn that lesson in times that are chaotic, you know, God can do great things. But we got to get through the difficult lack of control period, you know. So let me speak to that a little bit, or us, because I think it brings up a great conversation that we want to have today. If you learned anything from 2020, uh, and not to rehash because I really want to move on with my life. <laughs> is that we ain't going back. You learn that th- there's very little that we have control over, right? Mm-hmm. And that really sucks in a way that it's like either you surrender to God or you just fight it until you're exhausted. And if I can be honest, like I, I do both, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've done both and uh, I kind of struggle with both. And yet, you know, the times I have the most peace is when I'm really able to surrender uh, to God, like just let it go. And, you know, as we're approaching Lent soon, right? Like Very soon, Lent's yeah. early this year. I don't know if it's earlier than last year. I can't really remember. It just feels early because it's in, you know, mid-February, boom, mm-hmm. you know, Mardi Gras, and then Ash Wednesday is on February 17th, and then let's start. So, you know, I'm always, hey, let's think about something before we get there. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just wake up, you know, Ash Wednesday and be like, oh, man, it's Lent. What am I going to do? Let's start thinking about it now. So I'm thinking about Lent. And there's a great book. It's not a Lenten book, but it's it in a sense of like the title's not a hey, Lent 2021. Mm-hmm. It'll change your life. <laughs> you know, those kind those things kind of bother me. You know, because there are certain books that are just timeless for a season. And yep. I do think we're in a season of the world in our life where it's a very appropriate book. But it's by Father Jacques Philippe, who's yeah. a great spiritual writer, right? And it's a great name, Jacques Philippe. Yes, yes. And it's it's called Nine Days to Peace, and it's it's a nine day retreat basically of a, of a you know um, a writing by him each day about how to basically find peace in your life, right? So I did nine days of it already. Oh, and then I redid the nine days again, and then I'm going to redo the nine days. Like I'm on my third round of the book. So twenty seven days to. A lot of peace. It takes me a long time. No, 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 look. Researchers have studied this. They say, and I've found this to be true in my life, you need to read a book or an article or whatever six times to really get all of it. Like your brain only sees some of it the first five times. But like to really get the information that's in it, you have to read it six times. That's a commitment. Well, let me just tell you, like I'm a little maybe slow. Maybe it just takes time. You know, I just want to be always transparent and authentic so last year when everything you know went down not to rehash (laughs) so i started 
praying the Mary Undoer of Knots Novena, which mm -hmm. is a great novena if you're ever dealing with stress, anxiety, worry, or like the unknown, right? Like, so I, you know, this is a novena I'm going to go to. Mary's my girl. She's my mom. She she is plays a significant role in our walk with Christ, and this this specific novena is good. So I prayed the novena, right? Which novena means what? Nine. Nine. So you pray it nine days, right? And it sets you free, a new path of, of joy and happiness. Well, I prayed the Mary Undoer of Knots Novena seven times in a row. Nice. So that's what, 56? Mm-hmm. Yeah, days. I'm not saying that because I'm like, ooh, Paul really prayed a lot. I'm saying it because it took me that long. To 63 like, days. 63 days. <laughs> Who's better at math? everyone <laughs> <laughs> well and the, the thing is we're just kind of programmed i don't know if it's an american thing i don't know if it's a 21st century thing i don't know if it's just a human thing that's always been around it's probably all the above but we're programmed to think that when we need somebody something's wrong mm -hmm. right like i need someone because something is wrong because i don't think right i don't feel right i don't pray right so someone needs to and if i was better i wouldn't need anybody it's just such a terrible, spiritually decapitating way to look at, at life mm -hmm. and in our relationship with God. I will need Mary and the saints and the Lord more the healthier I am. And if I feel like I don't need them much, that shows my lack of spiritual health. Yeah. Jesus says, unless you become like children, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. And the main thing he's talking about is that childlike dependency for everything. Right. Like that little boy, Paul, at my house can literally do nothing for himself at all and there's nothing wrong with him but we think for whatever reason that learning to depend on others means there's something wrong with us so if i'm constantly praying for for help and guidance and peace it's not because there's something wrong with me god put things right in me you know and if i wasn't doing that before and this is this is what i was getting at earlier it's like as american catholics we we think we know the issues of the church and we think we know what god wants to be done and so we set about doing that work. We set about doing the pro-life rallies. We set about doing the, you know, whatever. And then God comes in with a year like this and a situation like this and maybe even a president like this and just wipes the slate yep. and says, you know, were you praying, America, right? Like American Catholics, are you getting up every morning and praying? Right. Well, then you shouldn't be out doing all these things without getting that right, you yeah. know? But maybe now we're praying. Yeah. Maybe now we're learning to depend and saying, look, without the Lord, this is going to be a terrible situation. Right. And, you know, my point of saying I prayed it seven times in a row is, is like, because that's what prayer is. It's about changing us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change God, right? right. Like, it, it's a, it's about your heart softening and, and, you know, marinating in the presence of God to where you change. I change through prayer, right? Like, the internal change happens in me. You know, that's why I'm reading the book for the third time in the row, because there's so much there that that's changing me. It's not changing my surroundings. It's, it's not changing the way God is acting in my life. Like God still loves me. God's active. It's changing me. That's what prayer is. Right. And, and, and so I, you know, I shouldn't stop praying when like the prayer is answered right. or the situation changes. It's like, Oh, today's happy. I don't need to pray. no, like you were saying, like even more so to just continue to be in relationship with God. 
if this past year and then into 2021, like if we haven't figured out like, hey, not a whole lot's changed. Right. Now we have a new administration and, you know, government and, you know, all this. Like if anything, like we realize like the Messiah complex that we look into for, to other people mm. to make the changes we want in our life and our world, like that's – like if you hadn't wake up and be like, oh, maybe – Jesus hasn't been my Messiah, like the one that's changing me. Like I'm looking to all these other things. And it's just been very interesting to see, you know, our world shaken up, man, like including myself. Brings us to our knees. I mean, the um, the example of the Ninevites, we had that last Sunday and part of our Bible readings for Mass, but I'm always blown away by people that convert easily because it's not an easy thing. But you have St. You know, Jonah, hopefully it's St. Um, you have Jonah just going through a city proclaiming a message, and then this sinful city declares a fast, and we're going to turn our ways around? I mean, like, what the heck? You right. know how hard it is for me right. to declare a fast for anything? <laughs> right. Well, and here, here's the, the beautiful human story of that, right, is that God asked Jonah to do something, and he said no. Mm-hmm. So much so that he went the opposite direction, literally of Nineveh, literally, yeah. and hopped in. Not only that, he hopped in a ship to to go so far in the opposite direction. So if you're anything like me and you're listening, you're like, yeah, there's times I, I don't hear God or I said no or I don't want to do it, and and that that was Jonah. We look at Jonah as like, man, he was this great prophet. He did all this great stuff in Nineveh, like he had this amazing story. Read the first end, first the front end of that story is. No, he, he like God told him to do something. He's like, I'm actually not doing it. I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction, right? And that's what he did. And then what did God do? And you know, you and I were talking about this before before the show. And oftentimes, is God can take anything, even our past, and do good through it. Like He can make good out of it. So He's in a ship. There's a storm that hits, and uh, they they find out who Jonah is, right? And they're like, oh, it's your fault this storm's hitting. So they throw him off of the boat, right, to kill him and to get rid of the storm. That's how the story begins, mm-hmm. right? Jonah wasn't like, hey, let me jump out and swim back. He's, he got thrown out into the sea. And then that's where most people pick up the story. It's like, oh, the whale ate him, and he lived in the belly. And then, you know, he ended up in Nineveh. No, God brought him back to Nineveh, Right. Uh, out of horrible cir- circumstances. And then Jonah finally was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll finally surrender to you. Like how much adversity do I have to go t- through before I finally just surrender? I think it's a great icon for what Catholics in America can be about today because Jonah was never in control, but he felt like he he thought he needed was. to be, right? But he thought he was. Like, I'm going to go across the world away from God because I can control this situation. But mm-hmm. God was still in control, and he still ended up at Nineveh. Right. It just took, it took a long, longer time. So as Catholics, we can preach, I think, a great message to our country right now is to say, we are not in control. Whatever laws we write, whatever executive orders are signed, are people that have the illusion of control. And yes, they have impact. Laws are important, you know. Um, they have, especially on the unborn, they have a pretty immediate impact when laws are passed. But God is still in control of that situation. Don't think for a second there's not an army of 
children around the throne of God, where he has welcomed them into, into his kingdom, awaiting that day of justice for them, right? That day of vindication. God is in control. And maybe it's time for Catholics to share that message, that it's less important who sits in the White House and on the Supreme Court and in Congress than it is who sits on the throne forever. That's the most important position in our country. First and foremost. Yeah. Right. He's in control, and he's guiding this. And you know what? Our church is going to fulfill its destiny even if we run the opposite direction. It is the destiny of the Catholic Church in America to spread the kingdom of God in this land. And we're going to accomplish that whether we want to or not, whether we run the opposite direction or not, whether people are, are saying the opposite things of what the church teaches, even though they they're, say they're Catholic or not, even though we live a mediocre Christianity rather than the, the great Christianity God calls us to, we are still going to be the church and end up at Nineveh, you know? Right. Because God's in control. Right. Yep. And he's going to raise up saints. He always does, even in terribly wicked times. He's going to raise up saints in our country to accomplish that. Well, that's where disciples, Christian disciples, are made, is in adversity. It's in a culture that doesn't accept God as king. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Like every movement in the church throughout history, and anytime saints are raised up, it's through adversity, it's through sacrifice, it's through being a tough witness and a martyr like so yeah we're living in a tough culture that doesn't adopt our catholic values right that doesn't respect life you know from the unborn to the dying that if you you know your dignity is what you can bring to society and if you don't bring anything good you're worth nothing like mm -hmm. that goes against everything we believe as christians right and we know that and it's good to fight policy and to do all those things but you know where Christian disciples are made in adversity. They're made in cultures that don't accept God as King and Lord. I mean, our first martyrs experienced that, right? And what happened? Christianity sp spread throughout the earth because they were willing to fight for Christ in a culture uh, that didn't accept his message, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is where this is where we are. Like, and it's okay to say, you know, it is that. And for me, for you, for those listening, it's going to challenge us to um, prioritize who's on the throne of our life and what's on the throne of our life. Like, honestly, like, yep. who and what, right? And I think one way we've gotten lazy as a church is we've we've distanced preaching Christ from preaching a good moral life. Like we've kind of separated these ideas. And I think a lot of times we become a voice of virtue or a voice of reasonability, you know, being reasonable people, a voice of, um, you know, for example, with, with abortion. Like we, we want to make a lot of scientific reason-based arguments as to why abortion is wrong. But maybe we can get back to this idea of preaching Christ, Right? Like abortion is wrong because God made these kids and has saved them through the blood of Jesus Christ. And they have a dignity that needs to be respected, but they also need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't want to kill people before they have a chance to hear Jesus. Right. Like this is one of the this is the reason abortion is wrong. And why are we afraid to say that message? 
you know, to disconnect the idea of saving lives from saving lives for the gospel. We don't just save lives for the sake of saving lives, because our life is useless without Jesus. Adam, the most important argument is the scientific argument. How many hearts has that changed? Exactly. Right? So that's what I'm saying is like we have gotten away from mm-hmm. the gospel argument, the the beauty of God's love to where, okay, well, let's just prove scientifically. Okay. We've never had more proof than now. We've never, we've had, never more had more proof than now. Right. Exactly. But we've never had less Jesus in America than we have today. That's a good point. All right, we're going to end on that, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Deacon Adam, Paul George in studio. Thanks for listening in on the podcast or on the radio, KLFT Radio. Dude, um, at, uh, you had a baby. Chad had a baby, but um, we got the the Bronco raffle. You know, anyone around the world, okay, who's listening or locally uh, where we live in Lafayette can go to broncoraffle.com. That's easy to remember. By the way, I should get credit for that. You do? Okay. <laughs> and can I get a free ticket? $20 raffle, which goes to support the radio station, you know, so we're able to do this because of supporters, uh, $20 and you win a Bronco raffle. Now, not everybody wins it, but one person will win the raffle and there's some other prizes, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And the neat thing is we're limiting the tickets. So you have a real shot. So Who not, doesn't want yeah. a Bronco? We will not sell more than 10,000 tickets. So you buy one ticket, you got a one in 10,000 shot of winning a Ford Bronco or other prizes, which include a leather recliner or nice one, $700 worth, or two Yeti coolers to hold, you know, your juice boxes for your kids or whatever else you got to drink. So if you buy 10,000 tickets, you have the chance of winning. Yeah, it's it's not a bad chance. And um, because of the generosity of the folks involved, 100% of the proceeds goes to Catholic Radio. Right. So it's not like 90% or 80%, 100%. And, uh, you know, just like every other nonprofit, Catholic Radio, we still have very devoted listeners that give every month, but we have less giving this year than we did last year. Um, so this is one way to supplement, but also we don't want to be, we don't want to be in survival mode. You know, any Catholic ministry was not created to survive. Like Jesus didn't, on the Transfiguration Mountain, didn't say... Uh, you know, go preach the gospel baptized so that you can keep things open, you know? Right. We want to thrive in the mission that God's called us to do. And yeah, when I've the- kind of been in survival mode. <laughs> it's been a rough one, man. Formation mode, you know? Formation I mean, mode. Discernment mode. I mean, I have not traveled since March of last year, you know, for my work. It's crazy. It, it's been really, a, it, it's been hard. Yeah, you know it's been crazy, but the Bronco raffle that'll make me happy <laughs> if you <laughs> buy a ticket. Well, the good news is, is you've been a part of that, right? Like, yeah. and and the funds will be used to further 
develop the mission. So it's not to keep the lights on and things like that, but to have new local programming, new missions within this mission. Um, we want to reach more souls, especially now when it's a difficult country to live in as a Christian, and it's going to become more true. And so Catholic Radio helps make a difference in people's lives. So broncoraffle.com. Raffle.com. Bronco Raffle. You'll see all of our creative work on there. Okay, so you'll see the fact that I came up with the idea of broncoraffle.com. Yes. Okay. You'll see the fact that Adam, Deacon Adam, did the webpage, okay, because he can design stuff. It's weird. And then you'll see Uncle Chad, who designed the logo. Yeah. It's a a team effort. It's a team effort. Yeah. And you're the one who buys the ticket, so you're a part of the team. Yeah. No listeners. So broncoraffle.com. Broncoraffle.com. We got an interesting reading, a second reading coming up this Sunday in the gospel. Um, it's the, the fourth Sunday in ordinary time, you know, coming up. Already, yeah. Already, and, you know, before we know, you know, we don't have a lot of ordinary time between Christmas and Lent, right? There's usually about, you know, how many weeks? Mm-hmm. Eight? Six to six nine. Six to nine. I think nine is the most and five is the least. Yeah. Something like that. You know, so ordinary time, you know, meaning like, liturgically we're we're in this new year but you know it, it's not a you know a high season like lent or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. second reading you know from corinthians you know saint paul writes who who we can assume that that um was a great evangelist in a tough culture right like we know a lot of those stories yeah talk about not accepting the gospel you know right yeah and tradition would tell us that paul was an unmarried man Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and um, which is good because he seemed a little rough around the edges. Like I think his oh, yeah. wife would have had a hard time dealing. Yeah, with Yeah, St. Paul was like, think of those guys on the deadliest catch that are out on that boat getting crabs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like those type of men. Um, <laughs> right, that's probably Paul. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. He's like a Jonah. Yeah, yeah, and a John the Baptist. Yeah, just all rolled into one. Right, and but sold out. Right. Oh okay. yeah. But he says in this, he says, brothers and sisters, which is so crazy. The first line in 1 Corinthians, if you're listening, chapter 17, verse 32, okay? I should like you to be free of anxieties. That's the first line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we often think like, ah, oh, we live in this world and the internet and like the world, it's crazy and it's chaos and anxiety is so high today and I'm struggling, you know? And it's like, here it was, you know, over 2,000 years ago, you know, Paul's, Paul's writing right here. I should like you to be free of anxieties. So people were struggling with anxiety back then. Oh, yeah. Worry, fear, the unknown, a culture that was killing people, right? Like, um, it wasn't even a democracy. It was a, what would you call it? An occupied situation. Yeah. The Roman Empire occupied everybody. Yeah, just dictatorship, Mm -hmm. you know, anarchy, like everything. I'd like you to be free of anxieties. And again, I, we kind of talked about this last segment, but when you hear Paul say that, understand that his idea of freedom includes Jesus Christ. He's not talking about being free like a generically free person. Right. You know, like I, I think we value freedom so much in America, we think like a free person looks like this. But for Paul, freedom is the ability to follow Christ with everything I got. To die for him is freedom. Right. I no longer live for myself, but I live for Jesus Christ, right? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live my life, but he lives through me. That's freedom. So there is a 
tension between that freedom following Jesus Christ and anxiety. Because he's saying, I want you to be free from anxiety for Christ. Because, apparently, anxiety has an ability to limit my response to Christ. Right. Because we worry about a lot of things, right? And and he's acknowledging that. The reading goes on to say this, because it's a little confusing, but there brings a lot of clarity. He says, an unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. Okay. Mm-hmm. You get that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how he may please the Lord. So, like, 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 like his soul purpose is the Lord, right? But he says, a married man is anxious about the things of the world and how he may please his wife, and he is divided, right? So there's confusion, but clarity. Like, the clarity is like, for people who are married, like, there there are certain responsibilities and worries, right, that we all kind of carry with us. There's work and job and, you know, pleasing our spouse and raising a family that, that comes with that. There's a certain you know, burden, and sometimes that feels really good, and sometimes it's difficult, right? You know, um, you know, I have more of a burden with my work and losing a job or getting a job and raising my family because I have much more immediate responsibility mm. than someone who is unmarried and just focused totally on God. Yeah. You know, in some ways he's talking about the vocations here. Yeah, or, totally. Or he is talking about totally. vocations here. And that's the thing is that he's he desires people to follow Christ into the life he calls them and to not complicate it by complicating their life and what their burdens are. And if to know the difference, I think you have to go to some religious community and talk to them for a little bit. Because you, you see, if, if it's a good religious community, you see the lack of anxiety all over them, Right. Like, they're not worried about the things we worry about. All they're worried about is the Lord. And that's what he's describing, is that that life is a beautiful life. And those who are called to it, those that can live it, go 100%. Be free of all anxiety to follow the Lord. Now, not everyone in a religious community is free from anxiety. The superior is pretty anxious about the bills and things like that. (laughs) And not every Dawson priest is free from anxiety because they have bills to pay, right, and things like that. But where we can, we follow the Lord into the life he's calling us and keep it simple. And that's the only way married people stay holy. Because we can complicate our life with the world and the anxieties and the burdens we have. You right. Know? So ladies, if you're listening, you're, you're, you're in this. So Paul goes on to say, he says, An unmarried woman or a virgin is anxious about the things of the Lord, so that she may be holy in both body and spirit. However, a married woman, on the other hand, is anxious about the things of the world, how she may please her husband, right? I'm telling you this for your own benefit. So what, he, what he's saying is, I just want to bring clarity to this. I'm acknowledging the fact that there's a differences in vocation. I'm acknowledging the fact that there's a different, you know, sort of uh, distraction uh, that comes with each. But what I'm telling you is to be aware of that and to find the Lord in it. Mm-hmm. That's what he's encouraging people to do. Yep. Uh, so he's a, He's like, I'm not telling you, I'm telling you this for your own benefit, not to impose a restraint upon you. So you're not restrained because you're married or because you're single. Like there's just a different calling there. Um, but he goes on to say, but adherence to the Lord without distraction. Like, so yep. he's getting to that's the heart of it. Yeah. The heart of it is in the midst of whatever is going on in your life and the chaos and your vocation. Um, and you might look 
the grass might be greener on the man i li- wish i lived in that convent i bet it's simpler and there's less distractions and there could be true to that but that doesn't mean that that the people who are living in the convent look out and the grass is greener oh look at the pretty little and i wish i wasn't doing that and you know like there are distractions to both and what he's saying is don't be distracted by the distractions but let your distraction be totally about the lord yep and he's describing a common habit no matter who we are because a person with little responsibilities can be very stressed out and a person with great responsibilities can be very peaceful and free from anxiety because the question is not how many burdens do i have it's how i'm going to carry my burdens and if i am in a dialogue with the lord and I'm careful to follow this advice of St. Paul, which is to free myself from anxiety. He's not saying don't have responsibilities. He's not saying cut all ties. But the way I go about my responsibilities, I need to keep it as little anxious as possible so that I could follow the Lord. Because anxiety and fear and insecurity limits my response to Jesus and my ability to adhere to him. They're distractions. So if I go about my life in such a way as to be careful about anxiety, no matter how many responsibilities I have, then I'm free for the Lord, whether I'm married or not married. Okay, so I'm going to make just a really crazy connection to the gospel. That's Do it. this Sunday. Do in, it. In Mark Love chapter crazy. 1, verse 21. Okay, so if you're going, when you go to Mass this Sunday, um, and you're listening to this, the second reading and the gospel, Maybe this will come into play for you. Okay, so we, we hear St. Paul talking about this. And, you know, it, this is a proclamation. Like he's, he's prophesying on behalf of God to, hey, listen to what I'm saying. Like mm. this isn't me speaking. This is God speaking through me. Okay, so like that's just like, oh, Paul was off his rocker that day. Like it was like, no, like, like this is inspired word of God, right? Like, like God was speaking, you know, it was anointing. Right, so in the gospel, and um, you know, what's the connection there? Like, and all this it says, you know, on, on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. Okay, so here's you know the high, the great high priest who is God speaking. Right, so he taught, and the people were astonished at his teaching. Okay, that's understandable. So he taught them with authority, and uh, he said in the synagogues there was a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, have you come to destroy us? Um, you know, so he goes on, I know you are the Holy. So he, he, the, the guy who's possessed the unclean spirit recognizes that that's Jesus, right? So even in his, in his chaos, he recognizes that's Jesus. And he says, Jesus rebuked him and said to him, quiet, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, what is this? Okay. What's the connection I'm trying to make here with what St. Paul is saying, right? Is that worry and anxiety and fear and all those things that distract us from God can really grow and live inside of us and take over our existence. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it can own our heart. It can own our mind. Jesus has the power to call it out, to heal us of it, to bring it out, to, to take that unclean, you know, whatever it is in our life and rebuke it, to, to, to weed it out of our existence and our life so that we can be free, right? That we can be amazed at who he is in our life. 
that's how I want to approach this year to believe that God can really root out anything that's grown in my life that's hindering me from seeing him for who he is. Crazy connection? No, I think it's a great connection because it speaks of freedom that God desires for us, freedom to follow him. And when it comes to anxiety and fear and insecurity, I worry that a lot of our message as a church to people about that, because it is so prevalent. I mean, any statistic will show that there's such an increase over the past 50 years in anxiety, loneliness, depression, suicide, all of it, right? And so we want to respond as a church to this. There's this pastoral crisis amongst our Catholics, but also the world. But I think a lot of times we offer an illusion of control that if you do such and such things, you can be free of this over time, such that, I don't know, like a self-help idea. Whereas really our mission is to proclaim Christ, how Christ is going to set you free from this. And he's going to include things like psychological help. He's going to include things like therapies. But it's Christ who's leading you out of this. Christ who sets you free. We can't bring ourselves out of fear and worry and doubt. There's no... In fact, when we try, we just perpetuate a cycle in our mind that we have an illusion of control, that we can, we can handle this, we can handle this. Well, the thing is, we can't handle this. Surrendering to, to the Lord is the freedom that our heart longs for. And to not have this illusion of control anymore, but to let Christ drive out that fear and doubt and insecurity out of our life, but to follow him. You know, like as we follow him, he drives it out. It says he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Mm-hmm. All right, no one obeys me. No one obeys me. <laughs> I don't even obey me. My Noth- kids don't nothing, obey me, <laughs> and nothing in me obeys me. Right, right. Like, but but God in me, and Saint Paul talks about this. It's Christ in me mm-hmm. that is the hope of glory. Right. It it's God in me, like. The Spirit of God living in me through the Holy Spirit, through my baptism, through my confirmation. And when I surrender to that, but honestly, we have stopped talking about or even believing at times or all the time, depending on who you are, in in the power of God. Yeah. You know, like, do I believe that Jesus can heal me? of this. Can he take it out of me? And you, as we approach mass this Sunday and we're hearing these readings to to acknowledge the thing in my life that I need healing for, this 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 uncleanliness. And it doesn't even have to be so much a sin, you know? It it could be an attitude. It could be something that's formulated in my life that just keeps growing. It could be a negativity or a worry or anxiety as we're talking about. Do I believe that God has the power to reach in and 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 heal me of that. Grab hold of that and, and and uproot it. That that's the God that we believe in as a church, but I don't know if we talk about him enough like that. I think one of the reasons we don't is that we kind of have this sense that God helps us live our life. In other words, hey, people that like on a given Sunday in the pews, like, hey, we're all doing the best we can, we're all living a good life. But here's some thoughts about how God might, you know sprinkle a little bit of help here, make this a little better, kind of, you know. And we, we've lost the sense that God calls us to a totally new life. Like Deacon Adam Conk makes no sense without Jesus. If I'm not following him, I'm living a terrible life. It's not like my life is okay and God helps me live a better life. 
I'm lost without him. And that becomes more and more true the more I follow him. The more I identify with him, I'm nothing without him. But yet we have a lot of self-sufficient people that show up on Sundays to go to Mass for an hour to just get some spiritual help rather than to give our lives completely to him, mm-hmm. you know? And that message of radical self-gift maybe isn't talked about enough. And, and maybe, you know, with this, this gospel this coming Sunday, we could start with, what is Jesus asking me to do that I, I don't do? That's where my fear and anxiety are keeping me from him. You know, is he asking me to pray more and I always make excuses? Is he asking me to do certain things in my life that I just know he's asking me to do, but I'm just saying no? Yeah. Then that's where he wants to drive out that fear and that doubt and that worry. So why are these readings right now? And, you know, we're thinking about this. It's because these readings are actually trying to get you and I to think about Lent coming up, right? This is like intentionality is right Mm -hmm. in front of us, like, Lent's coming up in a few weeks. What is it that that you want God to do in your life during Lent? Like, what is it that 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 needs to happen for spiritual growth? We got to start thinking about that now. So when mm-hmm. we approach Lent, we're like, God, like, like this is where I am. This is what I need. This is this is this is my plan to, with you to do. So that at the end of it, like, I'm I'm holier. Right. And totally new. That's the thing. Lynn is not a self-help program. It's a new life program. Right. It's a death program. It's a we healing die with program. Christ. Yeah. Right. We die with Christ and we rise with him to new life. Like that's the idea. And one of the great habits of Christians is if we're willing to start from scratch in our life, like to take Lent, for example, and say, all right, Lord, everything about my life is fair game. If you want to change anything, I'm, I'm dead to my old life. Build, build me a new one. And a lot of things in my new life will resemble the old. Like I'll still take care of my kids. I'll probably still have the same job. But to give God permission to rewrite my entire life, at least yearly, is so healthy for for a Christian. Right. Because if we're not willing to let him rewrite everything, then we're not really willing to let him rewrite rewrite anything. Absolutely. That's a great line. All right. You've just been closing these segments with great, (laughs) great lines. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the podcast, wherever you are, or on Radio KLFT Radio. Deacon Adam Conk, Paul George, Lafayette, Louisiana. Here we are. Or Karen Crow. Karen Crow. Karen Crow's growing up, man. Amazon's coming to Caracrow. That's right. It's, we, we got we got some big facilities here, mm-hmm. you know. But Lafayette, Louisiana area. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, so, here we are. Good Del- to be with you. Delta Media Studios. We got a Bronco raffle coming up. Which the drawing of that raffle is m- in March, right? May, May, May fifteenth. Oh, we got a little time. Got time. I mean, not limited tickets though. So limited tickets, long, but yeah, May, May. And like a certain day in May, like May fifteenth, right in the middle. Isn't that like a special Marian day? No, May fifteenth. All of May is, but 
May, yeah, May, May is her month, yeah. May is Marion. Yeah. Okay. Marion May. Well, get your ticket, broncoraffle.com. You'll see the greatness of... Uh, <laughs> Just do it. Of, of what, we, what we've done. Uh, so it's exciting. Uh, exciting time. So, um, all right. How about we get to um, our famous segment? You know, we've been having this segment for a long time. Uh, Six-pack of questions. Question. It's been years of six-pack of questions. Yes. Drinking a lot of questions. Yes. All right, question number one. So a uh, kind of theme for the for the show is, is just this freedom, this turning to Christ above all else, this idea. Um, so how have you in your life found freedom from anxiety through Jesus? Like how has that actually played out um, in such a way that might help people to hear that? Because we don't hear that often from people, especially people that proclaim the gospel regularly. Um, you know, like they're inner struggles, like this idea with anxiety and, and, and these kinds of things and how Christ has, has set them free from that. Yeah, you know, you talked about um, making things simple earlier. You kind of mentioned that. And, you know, the word simple oftentimes we think is like un, it's unintelligent. If it's simple, that's kind of silly. You know, in, in a lot of ways, like the Christian mystery is very simple right? Jesus, only Jesus. And for me, like prayer is the most sustaining thing in my life. Like it is the thing that keeps me grounded, rooted, focused, and and surrendering, right? So when I talked earlier about and jokingly praying the novena seven times in a row, it's just getting into that rhythm of prayer to where it's it's changing me. Um, and sustaining me, literally, like the word sustaining came to me this morning. It's like, what is it, what is it right now for me? The word sustaining, like prayer is this sustaining me in a time of unknown, in a time of uncertainty, which we all go through. And I think we look around the pew or we look around our neighborhood and we think, oh, they just have it together or they're doing great. And it's all a mirage. Everyone's mm. got their things and Life's not easy, you know, but what is it that sustains people? Some people, it's certain habits and just bouncing from thing to thing, and it kind of like, oh, I had a good day, bad day. But what is it that sustains you? What is what is the, the fuel that, that's just consistent? And it, it's prayer because that's relationship with Jesus. Right on. All right, question number two. So I brought up St. Paul, his advice for unmarried, married folks, and you worked with a lot of young people to help discern life for them. Um, we have more single people today, single Catholics than in a long time, not necessarily because they are religious or consecrated. They're just not married. Uh, and they live this single life as well. So what have you learned about kind of this hesitancy of embracing that single state that God's calling you to, whether you're discerning religious vocation or you are a single person, but you're dissatisfied with that? Like, what is it about that vocation that, uh, that causes people to hesitate and how do you help them discern through that? Well, every vocation and season is hard at times and hard in the sense that you want to look at another vocation and be like, I wish, you know, mm. you know, so when things are super stressful at my house, be like, I wish I could just live at the seminary, you know, like <laughs> away from all this. Right. Like, um, <clears throat> and I'm sure there's, um, people who are in religious vocations, like, I wish I had a family, you know, because, you know, these people are bothering me, you know, like. <laughs> 
in, in personal conversations I have with people, it's it's very normal, mm. you know, to when things are hard, look at another vocation and say, I wish, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just embracing the hardness in the season. Like, what is God calling me to in this the toughness of this vocation? Because this is where God has me. And when we find that mission within it, that's when we're like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. God, just use me as, you know, a dad and a father and a husband. Just use me. Use me as a religious and and just use me, right? As a single person. Like, let me not waste my singlehood on myself. God, just use me in this season. Like, how do you want to use me? And when we find a sense of mission and purpose in that, that's where that's where we find peace, right? So that's that's the beauty in the difficulty of it. So, you know, for a lot of single folks who, you know, you do say, I wish, and, and I hear that, but but find God in the midst of where you are and ask God how he wants to use you with what you're doing and where you are in that season. You'll find great purpose in it. Love it. All right, question number three. We talked a bit about surrender and, and this illusion of control, in particular with Jonah, who like tried to run away from God and then eventually had to surrender to it. But this idea of surrender is is a theme, especially in young adult ministry, youth ministry. But getting people to the point where they're willing to give their life up, give their life up to God. What are some effective ways that you found to like get people to that point? You know, where you you are willing to surrender to God and let Him rule your life. Yeah. Well, I would say you know, we we need. To, we need to find times to encounter God, not only in prayer, but maybe go on a retreat. Um, you know, do something to, to really refuel your heart and your mind with the presence of God, whatever that is. Um, but, you know, I don't think we get away enough, you know, and, and get out of the funk we're in and experience the presence of God. So you got to do that in your life, right? Mm. Um, make that happen. You know, you make a retreat, you know, um, I try to make a retreat, things like that, that are extremely important to re, you know, recultivating the seeds that are in our hearts so that they can grow. Um, and that was, you know, one of the readings this week was like, ah, a guy just threw seeds and he woke up the next day and it grew, you know, Mm -hmm. and and the, the point of that reading gospel was that God made it grow, you know? He just threw the seeds down and then like he woke up and it, it was growing, right? Because God's grace, you know, worked in that. So you got to do that in your life. It's really important. Question number four. Um, so Lent is coming up and you mentioned this book um, by Father Jacques Philippe, Nine Days to Peace. So yep. tell me more about this book and why it might make a good Lenten companion for some folks. Yeah. So each day he kind of talks about like an obstacle to peace and then the sort of the the virtue that that needs to be sort of the opposite of that, right? Of that obstacle, you know. So <clears throat> it's it's great. Like it's very practical, very prayerful, very simple. And you know, I wouldn't say it's like if you're a novice or you're an expert. Like it, it it's sort of like both. And uh, it's uh, 
so it's just very simple. And he, he's got a lot of very simple books that are very powerful, you know, to kind of root us in, in prayer. So nine days to peace, you know, um, and each day kind of reflects on a, a certain obstacle to peace and then like a, a virtue to grow in for that. Right on. All right, question number five. Um, the church is in an interesting position. We are talking about that earlier, just in the United States um, because of all of our struggles and everything else. Let's say something. God put something on our heart to like do something, right? Like we're, we're having a Jonah moment where God's calling us to contribute in some kind of way. Um, how does someone discern like a particular calling, especially at a particular time? Like God wants me to do this or do that because sometimes we're wrong. So how, how do you actually discern God's will and his calling in very specific circumstances? Yeah. You know, I think one of the things we can learn from, from the Jonah reading, if you want to go back and read that story, I think there's some powerful things in there, is that one of the, one of the things that keeps us, and Father Jacques Philippe talks about this in his book, that keeps us from peace is looking back to the past, sort of this idea of regret, right? Mm-hmm. And what the story of Jonah teaches us is that God can use any circumstance to reroute us into what's good, right? So Jonah went the opposite direction, and God's like, nah, you know, I'm going to use all those bad decisions, and I'm going to still get you back to, to, to uh, Nineveh, right? Mm. And, uh, and he did. You know, I look back on my life and I'm like, why did I do that? Or why was I there? And how's God going to use that? And God can use all of that for his good for the moment that we're in today and whatever he has in store. And so we got to believe that and, and sort of look forward. And so in discernment, we can't discern through the lenses of like regret or living in the past. It's the moment. Like I'm just, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And how do you want to use me? And Lord, this is something that's on my heart. And if you want that to happen, like I give you permission to make it happen and I surrender. We go back to that, right? This idea of really surrendering it to God and letting Him lead that discernment, move it forward, right? And, you know, spiritual director, I know he's, you know, a lot of times the principle, just to keep it simple again, is say yes until God says no, right? Until God closes the door. Like just respond to a freedom of yes until God closes the door. And when that door closes, it's not a rejection. It's just like, oh, okay, you didn't you're going to reroute me a different direction like you did with Jonah. Um, you know, he never thought that, but then he ended up here. So God closed those doors, right, and then rerouted him to where he wanted him to be. And so oftentimes people, when doors close, take it as a rejection and they shut down. Well, God doesn't love me or he didn't want that for me. That's not true. God's going to open up another door. It just doesn't seem like what we thought it would be. I love that. I have to listen to that again later. It's good stuff. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number six. So, you know, 2020 is over. 2021 is not like the best year ever either. Um, give us a little pep talk, man. Just give us a little something that this year is a, is a year where we can we can follow Jesus and like do this, right? Just, just lift our spirits. Man. Yeah, I'm going to go back to <laughs> what we mentioned earlier. I, I don't want, you know, I want to, in the earlier segment is that we... I read a book in in the 90s by a guy who was, who was a Catholic, and, but he was really interested in Catholicism. He was a Protestant <clears throat> minister, and it's a v- very simple book. It's kind of been a theme today. It's called Dangerous Wonder, 
And he talked about in that book that how we've lost the, the idea of living dangerously for God and having this sense of wonder about God, this, this awe about God. And, and the book, it, it just, I just remember it still today because I think it's true. The gospel is not dead. It, it's not about, you know, making our life sort of better, right? You mentioned that. It is about transformation, right? It is about totally wrecking our lives so that we can live for God. My motivation right now is to go back and say, like, do we believe in a God that heals? Do we believe in a God that can kick doors open, that can do miracles? Like, do we believe in that God? Or are we just sort of subscribing to the fact that, like, I'm just going to let, you know, whatever dictate my life, you know? And mm-hmm. Or do I really believe that the power of God can live in me and, and I can have a purpose in my life, even when things are difficult? So that's what I'm subscribing to this year. I'm getting back to that dangerous wonder about God and and just going to believe that that he's bigger than the circumstances and bigger than all the obstacles that feel really heavy in our world right now. And that that's just what I'm going to raise my flag upon. That Like that's going to be, you know, th- that's going to be the mountain I die on this year. Hopefully I don't die, but I mean, I need to die to myself. Mm. Yeah. Let's make that connection <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So hope that motivates you. Anyway, great show, man. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, share the show, be a part of it in the podcast. Um, Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, you know, someone sent us an email, help us stick it on Spotify. We don't even know. <laughs> thanks to KLFT and uh, visit broncoraffle.com, help support uh, the show. And, um, you know, go to discovertheartofliving.com, help support the work that we're doing. It's been a, been a you know, tough year, but God's good. So God bless you guys. We'll be back next week. <laughs>